course of. And so let me begin by thanking you all. Looks like there's about 20-some, 25 of you perhaps all together on our very first live teleconference from Maui, Hawaii. And, uh, let me begin by thanking all of you very, very much for uh, for joining us here. I'm going to mute out the uh, telephone people, so stand by for that. I mean, you'll hear me, but hold on. Okay, and that uh, means you don't have to worry if uh, the dog starts barking or the baby cries or something, and we'll open up the telephone a little later in the hour. Uh, again, primarily, the best way to handle this is to listen on the web if you can. Use the system that's right on the page in front of you to submit any questions or comments that you have, uh, either just before or, or during the event. And then like Zoe said, hey, I had a little problem with the web. Computer's not working right. Well, the telephone is a great backup. But um, even if we just have a few people on, we're going to leave it muted for the bulk of the call. And if we have an opportunity, we'll go back to callers at some time, too. So, again, my thanks at the top of the uh, teleconference here for joining us. I'm pretty excited about the opportunities here. Uh, Robert and I were chatting a minute ago about the line I used in my email to invite you here, uh, without the constraints of radio or classroom. So we get to invent this. We get to pretty much, you know, do whatever we want to do with this. And uh, hopefully it will grow and uh, we'll have more and more people on. But I'm always interested more in quality than quantity. So uh, I know the first people, those of you who uh, made it a point to be here today, are all high-quality people. And, gosh, I can tell from the uh, uh, questions that we had already uh, that uh, you guys are asking some really great questions right on top of things. So uh, let me go back to the questions here. And uh, this is a little new to me also, so give me a second. Find the refresh button, and I'll be able to address some of these. Again, I don't really have much of an agenda other than the interest that we all share in being more alive and being more awake and giving more meaning to our lives than most of our friends do. Uh, even as young people, we find ourselves pretty early caught, pretty pretty early in life, caught up in the uh, you know the the treadmill or the rat race of earning and spending, of of producing and and consuming, and in many cases just trying to keep our heads above water, not only financially but also emotionally, uh, the feeling of. Uh, <laughs> dare I say, being waterboarded by life is one I think that we all know from time to time and fortunately handed down to us from, gosh, it's the ageless wisdom, handed down to us from time out of mind, from the ancient mystery schools and the great philosophies of all cultures and, and all ages are practical tools and techniques that we can use. So Whatever we talk about and wherever our discussion goes from program to program, from teleconference to teleconference, uh, I want to 
always emphasize, in addition to the theory and uh, the various uh, philosophies and, and, and notions, ideas that we present, bring it down to the practical tools. Yeah, Mike, Michael, that, that sounds really nice. That's a great suggestion. Gee, that seems to make sense, but how do I incorporate that in, in my life? What do I, what do I do? What, what action can I take now uh, to begin to feel better about myself and to see some real improvement? If you ever feel that I'm not doing that, that I'm getting off into a tangent, uh, uh, just listening to myself talk, I do like the sound of my voice. I guess, <laughs> I guess that's pretty obvious. And I'm not talking about those practical and portable tools and techniques. And you don't feel like at the end of one of these that you have something that you can use in your life, a skill set to help you put into practice the ideas we're talking about. Well, call me on it. All right, let me know, either with a, uh, a question during the event or an email afterwards. And for you guys, uh, I think probably the best email for you to use is uh, com. Just put my initials in front of the at sign, MB like Michael Benner, MB like Mary Baker, at theagelesswisdom.com. Okay, any time of... Uh, uh, of the day, any time uh, that you'd like is what I'm trying to say. Okay, I just refreshed the uh, Q&A, and uh, we have some more people that I recognize. It's nice. I recognize so many of you. Kasha and uh, Dale. Uh, Dale wants the phone number to call in. Um, that should be on the web page right in front of you. If, you, if you're on listening on the web, and you use the player, you can see the telephone number right above you. Um, David, don't know what city, says, how do you like Hawaii? Well, uh, what can I say about that? Uh, it's just spectacular. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I won't dwell on this, but I must, I, I want you to know that this really is for me a manifestation of a dream. I've been visualizing this for a long, long time. A lot of folks have said to me, gosh, you're lucky. Um, yeah, I am. And, uh, people who are more religious would say, gosh, you're blessed. And yeah, I am. Um, I'm both lucky and blessed. Um, but I'm also somebody who uh, really believes that it's important to know what we want and visualize it and pursue it. I've been coming to Hawaii. I've had friends here since the late 60s, some radio guys that I used to work with in college. And that meant that I could take a vacation to Hawaii, stay with one of them, and uh, both of them were on Maui. And uh, in those days, in the early 80s, you could even camp on the beach with a permit. And I hiked into the Haleakala Crater on three different occasions, pretty rugged and exciting hike. And other areas, uh, if you know Hana, Seven Sacred Pools, there's a hike up to the top of that, Eau Valley I've hiked. And I just fell in love with the island and have always dreamed about living here. Well, gosh, gang, dreams come true. They really, really do. A grand dream like this takes a little longer, maybe, than setting sales goals or uh, 
uh, a job promotion or a relationship with somebody. Uh, you know, some things come faster than others. But, yeah, we're lucky and we're blessed. But it really is, and I mean literally, a dream come true. So thanks a lot for asking. Well, if I understand this system correctly, and it's possible I don't, it's new to me too. These questions that are being submitted by you via the web are coming from the bottom up. So I'm going to do it in order and start with uh, Janet in Glendale. And she says, uh, is, that a, is that an open door to your off-the-grid echo village? Is there an open door? I see. Uh, to your off-the-grid echo village, and may I contribute uh, for the highest good of all concerned. Well, let's talk a bit about that. Uh, we've been in fundraising on KPFK, for those of you in Southern California, for three weeks now. And uh, as you probably know, uh, Doreen and I began a new radio program Fridays at 3. We, still, we hope to continue doing that now that the fundraising is over and uh, hopefully with calls also. And that is a program, as Janet says, about getting off the grid, so to speak, about being in the sense of uh, Thoreau and uh, Emerson both more self-reliant, more independent. Now, we're also stressed that we tend to think in terms of either or. So when I start talking about this on the radio with Doreen's help, Lots of folks think, oh, yeah, well, everybody's got to leave the city or go to Hawaii or, or or move to Montana or something and completely uh, get off the grid, meaning uh, go back to horse-drawn wagons and kerosene lamps. And That's not at all what we're talking about in the new 3 o'clock, Friday afternoon, 3 o'clock show on KPFK. Uh, we're talking about doing whatever you can do. Uh, starting with the things we already know, like just simple recycling um, and uh, being more careful in our uh, consumption, watching ourselves uh, uh, as consumers and asking, do I really need this stuff? Do I really need... Well, that's a great word for it. If you haven't seen Story of Stuff on the web yet, it's a 20-minute movie I highly recommend and you can watch it later at uh, storyofstuff.com. Again, it's only 20 minutes, a great little video. Story of Stuff at storyofstuff.com. And uh, all of us need to be just a little more conscious as consumers. And I still have a tendency to leave the water on when I brush my teeth, and I have to remember to keep turning that off. It's It's just wasteful. So, whatever we can do. But I also believe in not only voluntary simplicity, self-reliance, but also appropriate technology. I mean, wouldn't it be great to have a computer that is powered by a windmill generator, for example, a combination of high-tech and low-tech? So for those of you in Southern California, you can listen, well, actually anywhere in the world, you can listen streaming at kpfk.org or to the KPFK program live. That's Fridays at 3, and yeah, we hope to uh, do that with telephone calls. That seems to be the battle right now. Is is KPFK willing to spend the money that it's going to take to get some sort of uh, 
high-quality telephone system set up out here. Uh, there are ways of doing it I won't go into, but we'll see. Uh, we're getting mixed messages on all of that. So, but I, I, I think telephone calls are vital to that show. Uh, let's go to Craig. Uh, this is probably my oldest friend in the world, calling from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, Craig, I'm, I'm pleased and honored that you're online with us. And Craig has a question that we've all asked ourselves, having to do with feeling like you're not where you wanted to be in your life. Um, and that might be in terms of career. That might be in terms of relationships. It might be, as I was considering about myself this morning, the way we behave in certain situations. I was reflecting on some behavior of mine that I didn't really like. And, and how is it that, you know, uh, it's like physician, heal thyself. Teacher, learn your own lesson. If you're better, what's the deal? Uh, so there's a lot of ways that we may not be in our lives where we want to be. And there's a couple of things that I think we need to look at uh, uh, in this regard. Uh, one is, who are we doing this for, this thing called life? I think we need to take a look at just how young we are when we make decisions about who we want to be and what we want to do in our lives. Because a lot of that stuff, frankly, is to please our our parents, to please mom and dad, or to make us proud, to make them proud uh, of us. Uh, maybe we're concerned about other people, but that's really where it begins in childhood, because as children we are codependent. We are dependent upon pleasing our parents. And most parents make it very clear that that, in fact, is our job as kids is to please them. They are codependent. They expect us to please them, and of course, in return, we have similar expectations. We would like to be clothed and fed and sheltered and, and, and protected and essentially loved. So we're performing for our parents. And as we get older, what we're supposed to do, if we get enough love in childhood, is make a transition to being more emotionally independent and getting to a point where, yeah, I'd like to please you, mom, dad, husband, wife, neighbors, bosses, whomever. I'd like to please you, but when I find myself needing to please you, that's when I, uh, that, that's, that's where the danger comes. That's where we risk being outside of our own integrity and dishonoring our own wants and needs. So I could do a couple hours just on that concept, but I want to roll along here today and say, first of all, we need to take a look at who are we living our lives for? Uh, are we in our integrity? Do we honor our own particular needs and wishes and, and desires, our cares and our aspirations? I like to say often to myself and others, are we what we think of ourselves, or are we more what we care about? And I think most people would say, well, I'm what I think of myself. What I care about is not that important. And I'd suggest you consider turning that around, at least to some degree, 
and giving more importance to identity and motive based on what do I care about, not so much what do I think about myself. You know, thoughts, logic, reasoning, it's deductive, it's reductionist, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, well, to use a philosophical term, it's apophatic. There's a word for the day. It means um, to understand by negation, to take things apart. Uh, not this, not that. It's uh, why you order off a menu. You, you go to a restaurant, you think you're ordering what you want, but you're really eliminating what you don't want to get it down to two or three things, and then you choose from that. Well, when you think about yourself, you do the same thing. That's why we're so damn critical of ourselves and beat ourselves up and... and uh, end up creating these uh, states of depression and, uh, and just this general attitude because we're so damn, uh, this hurt, this heartache because we're so damn uh, uh, critical of ourselves. But uh, if you, to the extent that we can learn to, in normal consciousness and especially in meditation and relaxation exercises, move from the head down into the heart to take a breath and soften and open the heart and say, what do I care about? And isn't that me? Isn't that me, the one who cares? The one who cares. If I call it love, our eyes glaze over because that word gets overused. Or they sell cars with <laughs> with love. Uh, that's what it is, of course. But uh, the word is too big for us, I think. Uh, in many cases, and if we could instead just say, well, what do I care about? And to what extent am I less what I think and more what I care about? I think that can help us to reassess, am I where I want to be in my life at this time? Okay. And then, of course, we can do more. I won't today, but we can do more about setting goals and making lists and doing affirmations and creative visualization to imagine yourself already doing, having, and being what it is that we want. And um, so some of those uh, skills we'll revisit and uh, and talk about it uh, future dates because I think Craig and others, uh, that's very, very uh, big issue. Let's go to Portland and Steve. He says... Uh, I believe this question speaks to the mystery of existence. He says, since DNA cannot survive, um, uh, let's see, forgive my poor eyes here, cannot survive on its own, uh, let's see, isn't it a function in the cell, determined by the cell as a whole, <laughs> DNA? Um, I, You know, DNA is a pretty uh, remarkable manifestation of intelligence again I'm a philosopher not a very religious person but I like to think of myself as a spiritual person and that means I'm interested in the energy as well as the form nature of things and that's really what we have to work with Is uh, I mean even Einstein said reality is composed of energy and mass in uh, metaphysics we call it spirit and material the spiritual world, the material world, and we understand that even the material world is a reflection of spirit or energy. 
that, that even mass, Einstein would say, is really energy caught up in a magnetic uh, influence. So if I look at uh, DNA, I see intelligence, whereas many people would see protein and a, uh, and a helix and a physical representation of that energy. So, uh, yeah, DNA certainly is where, at the root of our genetics, and our genetics constitute a very important part of who we are as physical beings, what we look like, and the color of our eyes, and uh, even the tendencies towards certain disease, a proclivity, or predisposition perhaps to all kinds of things. Uh, but I uh, personally, I, I don't think we're... Uh, I don't think that's the end of the story. I don't think we're limited uh, by our DNA or by our genetics or what we've inherited from our ancestors. I think there's a intelligence that goes beyond that. And in fact, what I'd like to say in response to the question here is um, that uh, what I what per, what personally I think is exciting about this question is the idea that indeed, as you've implied or I'm inferring from the question, there is intelligence in every cell, that every cell is conscious. What are the core concepts of metaphysics and mysticism, uh, the general philosophies known collectively as the wisdom, is that everything is part of one life. That means everything is alive. In some sense, everything is conscious. Every seemingly separated thing is included in an intricate web, like a spiritual ecosystem where everything touches everything and everything is a part of everything else and it's the magic and mystery of capital L love, its magnetic nature that ties everything together. Love as not simply an emotion but as the nature of consciousness itself. And if you begin to play around, Steve, with the idea of uh, every cell being conscious, I mean, it's challenging. Most people go to the extreme and they say, well, better, are you saying that the rocks are conscious and aware of themselves? I say, well, yeah, I think they are. Certainly in the form of the planet, you know, this hypothesis, if you will, of Gaia, as the Earth Mother, that the planet has consciousness, that it has feelings, you know, that the weather on Earth is the astral or emotional nature of the planet, is an uh, age-old myth. And, again, remember, myth doesn't mean it's untrue or a fan fantasy. Myth is, is very rich. And, and so here we have this ancient myth that the planet has consciousness. Yeah, it may. It certainly grows and evolves and changes. Uh, mountains are worn down while other mountains are being built. I'm sitting on the top of a, of a, of a volcano in the middle of the uh, Pacific Ocean out here. It's pretty pretty new, only a few million years it's been here. And uh, so it's evolving, it's growing. Uh, we've learned about uh, continental drift and... and uh, so the, the planet is changing. It has its in-breath and its out-breath. It's alive. 
And of course, that's where it's most difficult to understand. Planets, um, planets, there's a Freudian slip. Plants, the next kingdom above the mineral kingdom, the vegetable kingdom or plant kingdom, yeah, they definitely have consciousness. Uh, you remember reading, I'll bet many of you, the secret life of plants back in the 1970s, wasn't it? Cleve Baxter wrote a book called The Secret Life of Plants. Pretty exciting book. Yeah, they're conscious. They're sentient. Uh, they're also telepathic. You don't have to talk to your plants. They understand your intention, I think, <laughs> I think going in. Some people have a green thumb. They just have a natural rapport with plants. And, of course, we know animals are, are clearly sentient and aware. But, but to take that to the macro, you have religion, you have God. To take it to the micro, you have, gosh, is every cell, could every cell, every little bundle of unique DNA, to use the physical representation of that cell, uh, sentient? Is it aware? Is it conscious? Is it intelligent? Is it imbued with spirit? Or a, or a metaphysical energy? Well, yeah. It certainly is. And I wonder how many of you remember being in the biology class or botany or physical science and looking through a microscope in high school or college at uh, well, they usually have us look at paramecium Remember paramecium and those other little one-celled critters? Well, again, one cell, no brain, no central nervous system, no obvious means of comprehension, just a single-celled critter with a nucleus on the inside, a bunch of, bunch of protoplasm and a little sac. Uh, and yet the reason we know it's conscious is that it has memory. It can learn. Talk about a flea circus. Paramecium can be trained. They can be trained to find food in this direction or that direction. And, uh, again, not a very high level of intelligence. I don't think, uh, you know, paramecium reflect on their existence the way we do. But to go beyond the DNA to go beyond the material, to go beyond what Einstein called mass, and look at the energy that stands behind it, that permeates it and illumines it, is basic spirituality. And most people think of spirituality as religion and worship and fellowship and churches and temples and mosques, and, and that's all very good. But in the most fundamental sense, it's energy, it's spirit. And it's in all things. It's in the DNA. It's in the cell. And uh, I think it's uh, in all kingdoms, not just the human kingdom, but the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, and uh, even the mineral kingdom as well. Let me take a sip of my tea here. Okay. And let me refresh my questions. And... Uh, Looks like let me let me see how many people we have online here. Yeah, we're up to thirty nine people online, which is very exciting. So, uh, good afternoon and uh, welcome to this very first uh, wisdom, ageless wisdom teleconference call. And again, if you're on the web, which is the best place to be, I think if you can uh, to follow the link in the email that I sent you to come here. 
then you can submit a question or a comment at the screen right in front of you. And uh, I'll try to get to as many as I can. And uh, I think we'll open it up to the telephone callers at the end. I'm not sure how many callers we have, but the callers are muted out for the benefit of everybody. We'll try to open that up a little bit later in the hour. Again, I do not plan to go beyond 60 minutes with this. Um, I'm also open to moving this at different times, and I'd like some feedback from you guys on how often you'd like to do this. And any kind of input. Again, I do this for you. I do it because I love it. And I, I really think that mysticism needs to be practical and spirituality needs to be practical in our lives, tools and techniques. So I want to go back to some of that in each and every session. Okay, so welcome. Nice to have you guys on board. And uh, let's see, where did I leave off? Oh, yeah, Gail had a question. Hello, Gail. In Tinseltown, she's uh, revisiting, she says, the idea of how we tell ourselves stories and how we create and play out these stories to support why we don't have what we want. And while I talk about changing the self-talk and the mindset to writing a better, more successful story for ourselves, a story that's more positive, more abundant, and more true. Yeah, so we could do several hours on that one, too. Uh, good question, Gail. I've been, uh, I went to, uh, Mark, Mark in Portland, uh, uh, knows what I'm talking about here. We, he was, he was there also. We went to a, uh, event, a convention in, uh, Salt Lake City last, uh, August where the theme of the convention had to do with the stories in our minds, the stories that we tell ourselves. And it was presented in a, a really positive way, tell yourself good stories, better stories, and uh, make contributions of service to other people so that uh, you're part of their story, and it was all very positive and, and uplifting. And uh, that was the intention of it. But it got me to thinking a little deeper about the stories that I tell myself. And what hit me, because I like to work with this whole idea of detachment, of spiritual detachment, which is not dissociation. Uh, detachment is taking one step back to get a bigger picture and to be more aware, not less aware. So maybe uh, it's not the best word to use, but letting go is <laughs> or unclutching uh, is another way of talking about that. And when I take a step back, I remember, oh, yeah, I'm the storyteller. And I keep getting caught up in the stories that I tell myself and then other people about my life where I become a character in the story, forgetting that I wrote the damn story. Now, when you get a good story, especially if it's got little funny jokes in it or irony or like any other creative story, when you tell a story about your life that gets other people's attention, you want to tell the story. It's fun to tell the story, even if it's self-deprecating, and you, you end up, uh, you know, having a good laugh about you and your own silliness or whatever. We get all kinds of benefits, Gail. We get benefits from these stories. Uh, we know in the long run that there are better stories and greater benefits, and that we're missing the bigger benefit 
by, uh, how can I say, collecting or harvesting the immediate yet smaller benefit of being the victim of our lives, of being the character in the story and forgetting that we wrote the whole thing. I think that's where we have to begin, is to look at the payoff in being who we are. I worked with a stop-smoking client here uh, in Maui yesterday. And where do you think we began with the whole idea of letting go of tobacco addiction? We began by talking about the benefits of smoking cigarettes. You might say, well, you're talking about the benefits. There are no benefits of smoking cigarettes. Well, actually, there are many benefits. They just don't have a whole lot to do with directly smoking, but the cigarette becomes an excuse. One, for my client yesterday, was I get to push away from my work and take a break. I get to go breathe. There's a second benefit. If the first is I get a break, the second benefit might be, oh boy, that felt good. Didn't have to. It didn't have to be full of tobacco. It was just a nice, slow, deep breath. How often do we do that? Another thing that came up for this client yesterday was that uh, often uh, she has a very close friend who often comes with her when she and her husband go to dinner. And uh, we've accompanied them several times. Uh, This fellow smokes, and she smokes. And so at least once and sometimes twice, depending on the length of dinner, they have to get up and walk out of the restaurant and go have a cigarette. How is that a benefit? They have a special relationship. There's a special bond between the two of them. And so one of the things that we have to look at, that we talked about yesterday, and she's going to journal about it all week long to make some lists, is what are the benefits that I'm getting from smoking, like taking a break, taking a slow, deep breath, and as I exhale, relax, having a special relationship with somebody else, feeling bonded and really close, a loving, not a romantic, but still a loving relationship. And there's others, of course, for her and for other people who smoke. In other words, when we do what we do, there's always a payoff for doing what we do. All right. I get a benefit from eating too many carbs. <laughs> Comfort food. I know better in my head, but there's an argument going on. And, and, and part of controlling our habits in life and, and and being more successful in creating the larger goals is looking at what is the payoff that we're getting for this behavior that we claim we'd like to change. And recognizing that there's a ton of war going on in here. There's a reason that we continue to do the things that we say we don't want to do, whether it's specifics, like smoking cigarettes or overeating, in my case, um, or whether it's a more general uh, lifestyle kind of a thing. 
And uh, again, this too, like the other questions, we could go for a very long period of time, but I think I'm just going to go through as many as I can today and just touch on some of these. So, uh, Visiting the idea of the stories we tell, why do we keep telling these stories, especially the self-deprecating ones, and what can we do to detach, to take a step back, to get a bigger picture? Um, you know, something that comes to mind that I've done with actors is to help them use meditation and visualization. Uh, I know we have actors. Zoe is on board with us today. She's a, an actor, and uh, others, I'm sure, uh, are doing acting. And can relate to what I'm saying here. Closing your eyes, breathing, meditating, visualizing yourself on stage, in the role, in the character, and getting an experience of it as a means of rehearsal or reinforcing your rehearsal for that role or that character. But what we can also do in addition to that is the detachment to let go, to take a step back and put yourself out in the audience or even in the balcony, the nosebleed seats way in the back. <laughs> or I don't care, the best seat in the house. But to put yourself out in the audience and look up on stage and see yourself on stage, this is a very different perspective. Especially if, as you're watching that character, you, on the stage, you're able to say to yourself, I wrote those lines, and I can do a rewrite. Uh, I invented that character, and if it's not working for me, I can reinvent that character. It's hard to do when you're being the character. You have to do something deliberate to to awaken to the level of consciousness that allows you to detach. So uh, there's a lot there. There's really a lot there. But we do what we do because we're getting some benefit. So even if we know it's generally a negative thing, um, take a look at the payoff. There's some sort of payoff in there. Okay, uh, let's see, we're 50 minutes in? No, that's not right. Oh, I see. That's because I set this up for, we've got about 20 minutes left in the show, and I think in about um, maybe five or ten minutes I'll do one or two more of these, and then um, I'll uh, check any new questions we have coming in over the web, and I'm going to uh, unmute the telephones at some point, too although I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work. Uh, again, for those of you who may just be joining us, uh, and we're up now to, I can do this online, we have 46 people uh, listening online, and uh, last I checked, about a half a dozen on the phone. So come in online if you can, and if not, uh, the telephone is a cool way to do this. Oh, by the way, another thing. I know Dale and Lisa are online here listening. Uh, if you guys want to do something like this for your business, um, for uh, an enterprise, uh, it could be a vocation or application, if you have an idea for an application of this teleseminar thing, uh, I can help you set it up and find out more about it. Uh, this is one of many systems I use. It's called Instant Teleseminars. 
and I think it's pretty cool. It's very affordable. I personally have no financial interest in it. It's not my business, but uh, I like it. I'm using it with my students as well as with this this call for the general uh, listenership of my radio program. I'm doing another one just for students, and I'll be happy to respond to your email or answer your telephone messages if you want to know more about doing something like this, uh, being a host for a program like this. You saw I just think it's very cool, very smart. Let's go to Rebecca in Southern California, KPFK listener. She says, fears big and small seem to hold me paralyzed. Fear does that. And I can't seem uh, to break through and make changes. Before, you even, before I even go further, let me stop right there and respond just to that much. The secret to breaking through fear is not to break through, not to overcome, not to defeat, but to release. Whenever you feel like there's a wall in front of you or a prison, <laughs> you're in the Gray Bar Hotel and you can't break out. And you understand that that prison or that wall, the barriers in your life are made out of your anxieties and your stresses and your fears. Well, I understand the tendency to want to break out or to break through. But we need to remember we built the wall. We laid every brick. Uh, we put it up to protect ourselves. And then we found out we had created a prison. Is that Who was it? Was it Robert Frost who wrote the poem, Good Fences Make Good Neighbors? Uh, sometimes that's true, and sometimes the fences become prisons. And so probably the best news there is about all stress, call it anxiety, call it fear, apprehension, worry, doubt, nervousness, is that it exists because we're holding on to it. We're holding on to it. That's why we feel paralyzed by it. Uh, you're holding on to it. And so the antidote is to let go. But there's a little, <laughs> one little catch. You have to really understand it before you can release it. Aha! That's, and the light bulb comes on. We're holding on to it because it has, fear always has, gosh, you can write this down, fear always has a primary relationship with confusion, uh, misunderstanding, uh, dare I say ignorance, which is not to be stupid, but to ignore, ignorance. And so understanding, that's why we say understanding is love. Understanding is the antidote to ignorance as love is the antidote to fear. It's the same thing. It's like ignorance or understanding is the mental nature. Uh, fear or love is the emotional nature, but they're two sides of the same coin. So the way out of fear is understanding. Understand what it is that you fear, and the fear tends to go away or certainly become more manageable. So forget that stuff about overcoming your limitations. You don't overcome them. You understand them. Embrace them. Bring them to you. Caress them. You know, sweetly, it's, uh, there's a line by a great metaphysical poet named uh, Rainer, Marie Rilke, 
no, no, no. Let me get it right. Marie Rayner Rilke. His last name is Rilke. And he says, perhaps everything that frightens us is a part of us that needs love. And if we would love the parts of us that scare the bejesus out of us, <laughs> you know, the way you would comfort a child after a nightmare, you know, all you do is hold them and rock them and tell them it was a bad dream, that it's not real and everything's going to be okay. So do that with your... Uh, Apologies to Steve, your DNA. Do that with the bits and parts and the pieces of you that, uh, of us. This is me too. I'm not certain. I'm, I'm right in the midst of this in many ways. We've all got our stuff. Anything that hurts is supported by fear. I'm talking emotional hurt now. Anything that upsets you is, is or hurts you is supported by what you don't know about it. And it's really a symptom, just like physical pain, a call to pay attention and understand. And Rebecca goes on, I seem to think that it's other people that know how to live better or more fully or happier. And I'm the one that doesn't have the key. I can relate to this, too. She says, I love L.A., yet I want to be elsewhere. And uh, I'm scared. My job's okay, but I yearn for more creativity and freedom, but I'm scared. Uh, I'm scared of aging, uh, death and loss, uh, and I let that keep me paralyzed. I bet we can all relate to this. Huh? I'm single, but I wonder if it will if if I'll ever meet uh, a soulmate. And thanks if you can address uh, the theme of this question: paralyzing fears. He says, I won't be able to listen until 1.30, so California time. So Rebecca is on board now. Also, that reminds me, thank you, that uh, we are recording this, and it will be available on this website at this address uh, after the event. They say five minutes after, but it could be a little more than that because of the way I set the system up. So later today, certainly. And uh, I'm not sure for how long, frankly a new system to me, but I know if you return to this one location, uh, save the link in the email or bookmark this page, and you'll be able to hear the whole the whole recording later. It looks like they're going to keep it for a while, because it says recording 001, but this is my first event. So, Well, again, uh, Rebecca, uh, about all I can do here is expand on the idea that... Um, we're, we all have these fears, especially, my goodness, aging and death and loss. And uh, why? Not because they're dangerous, but because they're unknown. The big, there's lots of keys on this ring, but the big key, the master key, is it's not dangerous. It's just unknown. All right. If you could visit the other side, if you could. Uh, see what death is and experience the end of your life and the beginning of whatever follows, you could come back to life and every time you out of fear of death, you go, oh, but I understand, you see. Now, can you do that? Well, not precisely, but meditation is pretty darn close. Sometimes we have near-death experiences. I well, how long ago was it now? 15, 16 years ago, I came off a motorcycle at 
80 miles an hour and knew that I was going to die. There were trucks behind me, and uh, I was looking at the speedometer. It said 80 when the rear end froze, and the bike started to wobble. And the next thing I know, I was Rocket Boy. And the bike fell out, and I'm still in the air. And had, ha- having ridden motorcycles for many, many years, uh, I was aware of the trucks behind me. I was on the I-5 up by Pyramid Lake. The Southern California people know where that is. And uh, I just knew that I bought the farm. That was it, over and done. Hard to explain the, the, the experience and the way it's impacted my life ever since. But... It 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 took away a, a big majority of my anxieties or my fears or even my questions about death. I can tell you that death is waking up, but they're just words. That the way you feel when you wake up in the morning and think about a dream that seems so real, but you realize it's a dream. I can tell you that that is death. But to you, it's just my opinion. What do I know? And so, perhaps that's the way it should be. I would like to think you could find some comfort in that. And that would help you with aging and and the fear of loss. Uh, Not just our own death, but the death of others. And maybe it will, but I think more importantly, keep in mind what we've been talking about here, is that the more we know and understand, or to whatever extent we can understand what it is that we fear, Um, we're going to have more comfort. If these are big issues for you, consider working with people who are dying. Read books on death and dying. Volunteer at a hospice. Uh, If that's too much, uh, consider uh, volunteering for the Humane Society and rescuing animals. And when you face the fear, I know it's scary, but that's the way out is to... (laughs) To, to face the very thing you're afraid of. Why? Because it is born of and supported by what you don't know about it. And so to face it is to know it and understand it. And so when you look fear in the face, it ends up admitting, yeah, I'm just a shadow. <laughs> you know, and shadows are exaggerated and distorted and and. We all know the experience of facing the fear and going, well, that wasn't so bad. Gee, I was making a big deal out of it. Or as Mark Twain said, 98% of what I worry about never happens anyway. So what is fear except a bad nightmare? Course in Miracles says fear is a bad nightmare. I'm going to take that back. It says it, 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 says it better than that. Course in Miracles says fear is a nightmare. It's a phantasm. It's a specter. It's a bad dream. Remember uh, Scrooge's nightmare in in, uh, Dickens' classic Christmas Carol when he says, What are you, a phantasm, a spirit, perhaps a bit of something I ate? It's a dream. It's a phantasm. There's nothing to fear. Easy to say speaks to the reason for existence, doesn't it? Maybe a big reason we're here is to learn to face our fears, things unknown and confusing, and redeem them, save them, uplift them, refine them from 
from fear to understanding, from ignorance to understanding, from fear to love. I get a kick out of religious people, especially our, our Christian friends, talking about redemption as if it's something we do once with a life. At the end of life, you're redeemed if you've been good little boys and girls. But well, how about redeeming all of our fears during our lives? Every bit of confusion, every little thing we don't really understand that we don't want to face, perhaps we're here to face that, to embrace it and to move into it. That's where your power is. And if you think of fear as a darkness, be sure you bring your light with you, because you're going to need that light as you go deeper and deeper into the darkness. And that light might be just a general sense of spirit. Christian would carry the light of the Christ, um, uh, Buddha. Uh, these are symbols for the idea of light, as in light and myth. But it, it, it's through you, not from you so much. It's not outside of you. Don't let the light be outside of you. Let it come from you and, and even more precisely uh, through you. Rebecca, in summation, I think risk is a good word. Uh, baby steps is a good word. And um, uh, that's about as much as, uh, as I can say about that. I'm just curious here. Let me hit refresh on the questions. Uh, and look at some of the responses to what I've been saying here from the top down. The newest comment comes from Peggy in Long Beach. She says she's reminding us the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. And uh, uh, actually put that in there twice. Absolutely. There's a version of that in AA, uh, F-E-A-R, forget everything and run. Or you can put other words in for the F, like it everything and run uh, but uh, you know run into it not away from it. false evidence appearing real yeah that's exactly what fear is it's what we don't know it's uh, the shadow and uh, so we're in a world of shadow see that's what physical incarnation is come into the world of shadow come into confusion and ignorance especially what would be at the core of it what would be at the center of all our fear the center of all things confusing and unknown, and of course, identity, the self, the uniqueness that we talked about earlier as being, in a sense, DNA-based, but more than that. Just look at the nature of individuality. No two people exactly alike. Out of Hollywood, Larry says, when people ask me how I am, I respond by telling them that I'm continually practicing my smile. Thanks, Michael. And Paula wants you to know that the cats are adjusting. Good. <laughs> That's great news. Uh, so are ours, frankly, after their big airplane ride. Uh, practice your smile. That's great. I like the Emil Kuei line. You've heard me using it for years. I'm getting better and better. That Emil Kuei um, was born in the uh, 1800s, the 19th century. He was a great hypnotist, graduate of the Nancy School in Paris. and He coined the phrase that from the French um, is translated, every day in every way I'm getting better and better. Every day in every way I'm getting better and better and better. And so you say to people, how you, you know, people ask you rather, how you doing? You say better and better. 
You get a funny look from him, but I think it sure beats fine. And uh, let's see. Here's someone whose father just passed away a couple of months ago. Sorry for your loss there. We've been talking a little bit about that. And she said, I, I cried a lot for missing him and because I have a lot of personal problems now. Do you think that his soul, as energy, um, senses my pain and this might hurt his soul? Wow, what a beautiful question. Yow. First of all, yes. Spirit is an ocean. It is not disconnected. It is one thing. So on the plane of the soul, there is no separation. Separation is part of the world of shadows. We're talking about the appearance that we're not one thing. Now, the one thing has many sides. It has many faces, as we know. But as spirit, having crossed over, shed the mortal coil, your father's passing, he continues. Again, just as in meditation, you can learn to let go of your thoughts, and yet you continue. Something remains. So he is aware of you as soul. How aware he is of your mortal condition on earth, I could only speculate. I don't know. But to consider that each of us is an extension or an emanation of that soul, obviously the soul is connected to you, and if he's in touch with the soul, then he has to have a sense of what you're going through. What souls are better at doing than personas uh, have a difficult time doing is compassion. And so if, or to whatever extent, your father feels your pain at losing him, he would experience it as compassion. Compassion is, the, is one of the highest forms of love that a human being can imagine. Compassion is loving somebody who suffers because they suffer, and that they suffer, and that would not make him suffer. That there's a sweetness, a melancholia. Um, well, that's, that, that, that doesn't even do it. Compassion is really the right word. So I'm sure that uh, the soul that is the essence of your father has compassion for all things. Uh, you know, this is this is part of the lesson of Calvary. You know, uh, the Catholic Church and the Protestants make a lot out of the blood, uh, but they forget that maybe the real lesson of Calvary. Uh, just might be, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Imagine having compassion for people who are murdering you and torturing you, and you're forgiving them and asking, you know, these these, these poor fools, they, you know, please forgive them. Your prayer is for them, not for yourself. That's pretty amazing. I think that may be the, the real secret of Calvary from a, a mystical or esoteric point of view. And uh, Melanie and San Peter High, Melanie, uh, and some of the others. Green Bay, Wisconsin. This is great. Michael in Green Bay just wants to say hi and keep up the good work. Uh, we have callers from Rosita, Newport Beach. Uh, here's Lisa from uh, Burbank. Would you consider doing a short meditation today? I tell you, I would love to do that. Let me take a look at uh, our time. I set this up for 90 minutes, and then the system powers off. But I also promised that it wouldn't go over an hour. So let's do this.
Um, let's, uh, oh, I have another thing I wanted to try real quickly here, gang. Hold on one sec. All right. I thought there was a way I could get a count of the number of people on the telephone, but uh, I, I don't apparently don't understand that. I'm getting uh, a count on the web. I have 48 people uh, on the web, which is great, just beautiful. Thank you so much. So, again, this program is being recorded, and you can revisit this website at any time. Give it, I don't know, they say five minutes, maybe a half hour or so come back to this website there will be a player where you can listen to this thing at your leisure pause it whatever return again later uh, and so let me you know, thank you and say so long to you tell you that uh, I'd love some feedback from you by email at mb at theagelesswisdom.com particularly how could we approve it what are you looking for and what about time? Is an hour cool? Do you want less? Do you want more? Uh, how often would you like me to do these? And at the same time, if so, what would be a good time for you? Or should we do them randomly and just use email to notify you? Uh, those kinds of things. Let me know. Any other comments that you have, put it in an email to me, mb at theagelesswisdom.com. Also, if you've yet to subscribe to the podcast I'm doing with Steve, visit our legacy project at FocusedPassion.com. Uh, every one of these one-hour programs for 99 cents a week has a meditation in it. We call them audio journeys. And some of the best stuff that I do, I do with Steve, and he feels the same way. So check it out, FocusedPassion.com, auto-download. They're called podcasts. You do not need an iPod. You need a pod catcher like iTunes that grabs it every week and just puts it in your music folder. And uh, 99 cents a week, check it out. You can uh, listen to samples and a lot of cool information at focusedpassion.com. Remember the ED, focusedpassion.com. In fact, on the bottom of the page you're looking at, if you're still by your computer, it'll say subscribe to podcast. Push on that button, you'll go there immediately. And the link below is my website, so you can hook up that way. So if you got to run, I told you I wouldn't keep you more than an hour, then we'll let you go. Thank you again sincerely for joining us here today. And for those of you that stick around, uh, let's do a little meditation. I don't know why not. I think that's a pretty good idea. So begin by getting as comfortable as you can. Center yourself. Feel yourself in your body. Feel how you feel physically and how you feel emotionally. But again, from the audience, not the stage, take that step back. Not the character of the story so much as the one who wrote it and is doing the rewrite. Just a letting go. It just feels like take a step back and feel yourself physically and emotionally in your body. And as it's comfortable and appropriate for you, take a nice, slow, deep breath. 
filling your lungs, hold as you peak, ah, as you exhale, and go beyond where you normally stop all the way out. And maybe a second or a third, nice, slow, deep breath. And each time you exhale, feel the letting go throughout your body from head to toe, muscles relaxing and unwinding. As if for the next ten minutes there's nothing else you'd rather do and certainly nothing else you need to be doing right now. And if your monkey mind jumps in and says, yeah, but we've got some very important things to think about, say, okay, we'll do that in just a few minutes. Take another breath and relax. In fact, why don't you just for a couple of minutes put your attention on the bottom of your nose as if you exist as a little spark of awareness on the ridge line of cartilage between the nostrils. At the very point where breath enters and leaves your body and simply witness as you would the waves on the seashore, the Inflow, the wave crashing through the water draining down the beach back to the ocean. For all things, with their in-breath and their out-breath, the yin and the yang, the birth and the death, the coming and the going. And be the one who simply witnesses effortlessly this rhythm. The importance of breath and watching breath is very significant. I learned only recently from listening to a 50-year-old Alan Watts tape that the word nirvana means to breathe out to exhale. Nirvana is a sigh of relief. Nirvana is, ah. <laughs> the primary benefit of enlightenment is to exhale, to put your burden down, to let go of your fear. Ah. To drop it. Okay. And then I'd like to suggest that you to continue this induction, this relaxation. Just spend another minute imagining how it might feel to be a stick of butter on a warm day. I find personally this to be a really, really valuable means of relaxing, a, a valuable tool. I don't mean melting or dripping, just it doesn't change in appearance. Just a stick of butter on a plate left on the countertop, imagine it softening. Imagine your body being the butter and slowly, you can feel this if you allow it, softening slowly to the center of your being. Yielding, letting go. Give it all up just for a few minutes. And still you exist. created sense, that letting go feeling, very safe and 
very relaxed. And finally, create for yourself, if you haven't already, a place of perfect peace, a beautiful paradise. It could be a place that you've actually visited, a place entirely from your imagination or some combination, but Use your inner eyes with your physical eyes closed. Use your mind's eye to imagine this place. And the feeling you're making it up or just pretending is exactly the right feeling. That's exactly what you want to do. Pretend you see blue sky and a few white puffy clouds and magnificent green trees and bushes and grasses and maybe wildflowers and of course, there's a feeling that goes with that. And allow my voice to go with you, but listen also for the sounds of this imaginary place of perfect peace that you will learn to use as a kind of a home base or an, an inner laboratory, a sanctum sanctorum, the heart of heart. this beautiful, beautiful place that becomes more peaceful and more beautiful every time you return. And you hear the birds singing. Of course you know you're making it up. That's okay. But hear the birds singing. It's so easy to do. And you can hear the wind and the tops of the tallest trees and from time to time feel the gentle breezes blowing across your face and smelling the delicate fragrances of nature carried on these breezes. And if you haven't already, find a place to sit. And I, 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 I think it's important to have some water here, too, like a little stream or a lake or maybe both, a stream that feeds a lake or a bigger lake or an ocean, uh, maybe a waterfall or a cascade or just a little rivulet of water tumbling down the hillside. It's nice to have water here. But whether you sit in the gentle warmth of the sun or in a cool, shady spot, or deep in the dark forest. Sit on the earth and feel rooted or connected to the earth. Feel plugged in, as if you can imagine, with a little bit of practice, how a tree might feel to be so deeply rooted, or how a flower or blade of grass would feel to have the security of knowing it's plugged in to the common ground of existence. Feel that connection in the earth. Be grounded. You're an energy being. Grounded. Be grounded. And plugged in. Feel that connection. Effortless connection. And since our theme today seemed to have so much to do with the nature of fear by any name, anxiety or stress or 
worry or nervousness, doubt, apprehension, whatever word you may be using for it, I want you to trust your first impression and allow some fear to come to you. With your eyes closed, imagining yourself in this beautiful place of perfect peace, however it occurs to you, allow some anxiety, some worry, some stressor that you've been pushing away or maybe trying to defeat or, or, or break through. Let it come to you. And as it approaches you, you'll feel that fear, you'll feel that anxiety, You'll feel the discomfort, but take a breath. As you let go, let it come a little closer. As you remind yourself that the essence of anything that feels scary or stressful is a part of you that needs understanding that's really more like a little child. Imagine this fear as a little boy or a little girl. Maybe you as a little child that just had a bad dream or a nightmare and needs some comforting. But this specific fear, or even if it's a nonspecific or free-floating anxiety, let it come to you as a child might after a bad nightmare. With their arms stretched out, receive that fear. Draw it to you. And embrace it, knowing that it represents something you don't understand about your life. You might think it's something that you don't understand about life in general. But the more you hold and embrace and comfort, the representation of this anxiety and fear. The more we come to understand how personal it is, it might seem to be universal. Let it be personal. You might even imagine yourself as you embrace this fear, gently rocking, left and right or forward and back. You might want to imagine doing that or even physically allow yourself to move gently comforting this fear and if part of you feels like crying then yield to that let the tear flow and take another slow deep breath and as you exhale let go even more relax even more and finally Imagine yourself gently but firmly drawing this fear or anxiety into the center of your being, directly into your heart, where it is consumed by the only thing that's true and real, love, kindness, caring, truth. Wisdom, the one thing. 
allow it to come in your heart and live. For all things that frighten, as Rolke said, even if they seem to be of the world around us and done to us by others, the circumstances, at the heart and soul of the things we fear, this confusion about the self, who we really are and what we're capable of, draw it into your heart. And notice the way love vanquishes that fear. Kindness and consideration obliterates it, not by conquering or defeating, but by fulfilling. As light dissipates the dark, there's no struggle. The darkness has no power. It existed only as the absence of light in your fears and anxieties and stress can only exist as representations of what we don't understand about ourselves. And whether you got a great benefit or even just a little benefit, honor, express gratitude, whatever is your sense of truth, in the infinite beauty and coherence of this universe. Whatever is your sense of the way this thing works, express gratitude for being such an integral part of it. For your willingness, your courage, to stay with this call long enough to face your fear, to embrace it, to rip the mask off, and to love it and seek to understand every day in every way better and better the magnificent potential within Treat yourself with gentleness and kindness as if you are someone that you really, really love. No one else will know. Nobody else has to know. You don't tell other people or brag about how much you love yourself. Just do for yourself a few of those things that you do for other people that you love. Treat yourself with gentleness and kindness. Be good to yourself. Be what you care about and who you care about. Be that you care at all. Be that. Instead of the thought. We think thinking is not best. In a moment, I'll count slowly to five to give you a few seconds to reorient yourself toward the waking state. But bring with you this spiritual warrior. Bring with you the courage to face your fear, to embrace it, to love it, to pull it into your heart. Bring that with you, that power, that strength, and that dignity, that integrity, as I begin to count slowly one. And you imagine yourself floating gently up, like in a hot air balloon, too, or like a scuba diver gently drifting up beside your bubbles or floating effortlessly toward the sound of my voice. 
feel yourself gently drifting with a full and complete memory of what you've just done and the intention to benefit by practice. This exercise. Four, continuing to float slowly and gently. Feel the chair that supports you or the sofa or the bed, wherever you happen to be. Feel that. Come back into your body. Be aware of your body. Your feet in the feet places, your hands and fingers in the hand finger place, like you're pulling on the bodysuit. And five, as eyes open, wide awake, feeling fine, refreshed, and rested. And I'm going to unmute this now. And so those of you on the telephone line are all there now, so we can hear you. Why don't you just all say hi? Hi, how you doing, Michael? There's Robert. Anybody else left? Hi, Michael. It's Gail. There's, there's Gail. Hi, Gail. Anybody else? Hi, Michael. Selena. The whole bunch of people out there. So, again, thank you so much. Uh, again, primarily we want you to listen on the web, but we have the telephone available, so if for whatever reason you want to use it, you can listen in that way, too. The... Uh, the only problem is that the web's got to be primary because that way you can submit questions. And if we leave the phones unmuted, um, people interrupt each other, they talk over each other. I'm actually more concerned about barking dogs and crying babies and somebody forgets that they're on a conference and starts talking. So that's why we mute out the phones. But it's your choice. And in the future, when I send you a link to the next one, maybe in a week or ten days, send you another little email and you'll have a, a link included come back here again you can you can choose to listen on the web or as a backup on the telephone so you guys are super uh, thank you so very much I'm very very happy with the turnout today and it can only grow if you guys tell your friends and uh, watch your email because I, I, I want to do this I, I love to do this and uh if you push the button on the bottom of the page, subscribe to podcast, you can go to uh, the focusedpassion.com website or the link below that will take you to my website. And I'd love to hear from you, uh, especially so many of you are really dear personal friends, and I'm especially honored by that. But even if I don't know you and have never met you, I really value you being on here. And I think the meditation is a good idea. Thanks to Lisa for that. I'd thought about it, but had not decided for sure to do it, so I think we'll do that in the future, and uh, we'll try to keep it all under an hour and respect your time on this Sunday. So, uh, you know my clothes, be gentle, I really, really mean it, since 1977 I've been saying it, so thank you so very much, and be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. It's Michael Benner in Maui, Hawaii, I wish you all paradise and love, and uh, we'll get back to you, and we'll do it again. Thanks a lot. So long. Say goodbye to everybody on the phone, you guys. Say goodbye to everybody. Bye. Hey, uh, take goodbye. care, girls.